Welcome to the Wonder Woman Club podcast. We bring you conversations that will inspire, empower, and educate you to thrive both in business and in life. My name is Vash Naidu, and I'm your host, an intuitive fempreneur coach and the founder of the Wonder Woman Club, a global community of phenomenal women doing phenomenal things in the world. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wonder Woman Club podcast. Today, we have the most uh, beautiful woman I've probably seen on Clubhouse, um, Lola Shell, who is a model, a media maven, and a model coach. Um, so she has been setting some new standards about what the modeling industry should look like, and is changing the dynamics. So welcome, Lola. It is so good to have you on the show. It is great to be here. And thank you so much for the high praises. Oh my gosh, now I can stop smiling. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, I, I did when I saw your picture in Clubhouse, I was like, oh my God, who is this queen? Um, so I, I just, I know we've, we've had a brief conversation before, but um, you know, I love what you're doing around the modeling industry. And I just want to kind of start off for you, you know, where did it all start um, getting into this industry and how, what were the challenges you faced kind of getting to this point of actually going into modeling? Okay, understood. So first off, let's start where, where I am now. Uh, my name is Lola Shell. I am a full-time internationally working multi-agency represented professional model and I'm also a model coach. I run my own online modeling university called Model University, where I help models educate and elevate themselves to their full potential and paycheck. Now, to get here, I started in college, which is like extremely late. When you think about modeling, a lot of the models that you see now that have risen to superstardom have started when they were 11, 10, 12, and they've had 10-year careers by the time I actually started as a model. So that's a little backstory on that. Got started in college. I did a modeling troupe. So it was basically a group of models who got together. Uh, we put on shows. We did teens. Very, very entertaining. After doing that for two semesters, I thought to myself, well, if I can do this, then I can definitely like be a freelance model. And so that summer, I went out and I tried to pursue modeling. I had a lot of confidence, not a lot of knowledge. So it was a lot of trial and error, a lot of failing forward. But all of those elements, especially when I was first starting out, really did shape the success of my now career. So once I realized, okay, this is what I want to do, this is what I don't want to do, I got through college, got through, you know, of course, the modeling troupe. Uh, once I was out of college, I was out of the modeling troupe. It's a college club. Um, I had to sit down with myself and I had to say, okay, you went, you got your bachelor's, you got your master's, and you are still freelancing on the side. What do you want to do? If you're going to model, we need to sit down with ourselves and we need to figure out what do you want to achieve? We need to be intentional and then we need to go for it. I realized my why, I set my goals, I found out my niche, I looked around and understood what my market was, and then I started pursuing modeling part-time. From there, of course, more trial and errors. Um, I got aged represented, I started making more money. And then eventually, and by eventually, I mean a few years later, my part-time modeling work paid me more than my job at the time. So at that point, I just made the full-fledged jump to be a full-time model. And doing that, that's when everything started to open up. That's when I started to get the international jobs and I started to really like work inside of my purpose. Um, I was able to reach a lot more clientele, a lot more of my audience for model students. And that is how I actually got to the space I am today. <laughs> 
That's an incredible journey because I think, like you said, a lot of people start off really young and they think, oh, well, if I haven't started at the, at the, the age I am now, I can't do it. Um, and I think that's that's amazing to know that. And you mentioned like so many great, you know, wisdom points for me was, you know, when you got intentional and you figured out your why, how did you get to that place of knowing what your why was? Because a lot of the time when you think of models, um, it, it can be very superficial and you just think it's just mm -hmm. an aesthetic, right? So how did mm -hmm. you get to that point of being intentional and finding out what your why really is? I think that came with one of my first like reoccurring paid gigs. It was for a boutique based in South Florida and they had really like everything that I did with them got really great visibility. And one day I just, you know, wandered into the comments, you know, because a couple of people had tagged me because they realized who I was. And there's like, oh my gosh, you know, is this you? Like I found you on like their page or whatever. And I was like, that is me. And then I happened to read some more of the comments and I saw the impact that I had on others who, and mind you, this is just clothes. You would think to yourself, this is just clothing. But the impact that I had on people seeing that they could be, my collection have my extra and wear these clothes and feel glamorous feel posh and exclusive the way that they reacted in the comments it was very much so like wow I never knew like I could see myself in these clothes I never knew that I could feel you know glamorous or beautiful like all the other models that are on there who don't look like them you know so when I saw what an impact that had and it was just clothes it was just social media at the time to me that's how I felt but then I realized wow there are a lot of times where I don't see anybody who looks like me represented in anything that I want to do if they're not at resorts they're not you know going on you know trips they're not wearing the latest fashions or jewelry they're not being put in beauty campaigns and that's when I realized like wow if I have this if I have this opportunity to really make people feel like they felt in the comments of this one campaign that I did, but make them feel like that all the time with everything that I do, that's what I wanna do. That's my why. To literally show people who look like me, who don't see themselves in anything positive, have somebody to look at and say, wow, she looks like me and she's doing this. I know now I can do this. I can see myself doing this. I can see myself in these spaces and not feel out of place. That was my root why. And right now I'm executing that through modeling. It can always venture out to other things, but right now that's what really got me uh, going and structured and intentional when it came to my modeling career. That's amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm also a woman of color. So like for me that I love that because, um, you know, just lately Malala was on the cover of um, British Vogue. And that for me was just so mind blowing because I wish I saw women like her on covers of magazines when I was growing up, you know, because that would have changed my dynamic because I also grew up thinking, you know, you had to be white, blonde hair, blue eyes, all of those things to kind of like, you know, meet a certain level of beauty, right? Um, uh -huh. So I know that, you know, you found your why and and it's a great why, right? But uh -huh. do you do you feel a sense of pressure knowing that you're kind of like holding this, this momentous moment for other young girls? in what you do because it's like every move every decision you make do you feel that sense of pressure how is it going to be interpreted by especially the younger girls that are watching you mm -hmm. right now 
I feel like the pressure is not as intense because everything I do surrounding my career, all of my self-generated content supports the mindset and the initiative that I have. Um, outside of just my work, you know, I feel like as a model, and a lot of people don't know this, that finished product is only like 10% of what you actually do. You know, who are you on a set? How do you carry yourself? How do you impact people? What do you put out on social media? How do you control your narrative? All of those elements factor into how people view you. So yes, you know, somebody might find me on, for example, Fenty Beauty. They might've found me on Fenty Beauty's um, social media. And when they come to my page, it's my duty to showcase my intentions and who I am and what I stand for on my platform. So because I do that and I'm intentional with what I say, I'm intentional with how I show up. I always make sure I'm consistent. I always make sure I'm trying to be as positive as possible, uplifting, educating, because that's how consistent I am and what I naturally do. It doesn't matter what somebody sees as far as campaigns, which is never gonna be outlandish um, simply because of my intentions. After they see the aesthetics, after they get past the pretty face, when they actually find me, I am meeting them with all of the other intentions that I have, which supports me more so than putting all the pressure on, okay, every finished product that I put out there has to speak this message. And it's like, no, my finished product is supposed to be helping me to get more clientele and sell more things to people who look like me and have a positive representation. It is my job to then stand on my own platform and put forth my own message. And I feel like when you combine the two and you're consistent with both, it's not as much pressure as if you were leaning exclusively on your projects to get forth your message. That's awesome. And, and I know you touched on like, you know, being intentional and, and what goes on behind the scenes, because a lot of the times, yeah, we do see the, the pretty photo and that's it. And then we're like, okay, but what else happens behind that? And with your modeling school, you work with up and coming models. And how do you show them how to be intentional in what they do? How do you, how do you guide them in that process? So I think it's so funny because the university has three different levels. We have an associates, a bachelor's, and a master's. And at each of those levels, I tap into generally the same things, but just some, in some phases, deeper than others. Overarchingly, I normally just work on mindset. When it comes to being intentional, I, and I've said this analogy to people on my free classes, people on my programs, you have to have a solid foundation. How do you get a solid foundation? You have to have your why, your goals, your niche, your market. Those things all work together. I always use the car analogy. If you're in a car, the why is your gas, the goals are your destination. If you have why, which is gas, but no destination, no goals, you'll just be going aimlessly in circles and circles throughout your entire career with no end point in sight. But if you have goals, your destination, and no gas, why, you will never reach your final destination. When I paint that picture just in my free classes, I've said that a million times in interviews, everything, that's the first step to mindset work on how to be intentional. Because now I'm showing you the weight of why you need a strong why and strong goals. As long as I can help you realize the function of that, the um, severity of having that to start from there in my other programs, especially my paid programs, we start to work on intentionally goal setting, smart goals, building out what an actual goal looks like. Then from there, we're going through mindset, mindset blocks that a lot of models have, how to remove those. So at different levels, I get into it much deeper than others because of course, the higher the program, the more touch points, the more of me you get. But at its base level, 
I always try to alert models of the severity of your goals and your why. And if you want your career, which is the car, to go anywhere productively, you have to have both. So that's how I do it. Awesome. And, you know, there's, there's obviously another area of this that is not the pretty side of modeling and of a, of a person who's in this industry, because we know how difficult this industry can be and how, how cutthroat it is in the sense that you are basically being rejected consistently for different things. You know, the shape of your nose, the length of your fingers, the whatever it might be, right? And it could sound mm-hmm. ridiculous, but the, re- the level of rejection is so consistent it's having that thick skin in a way, having the resilience and perseverance to still keep going with this, but also having that confidence within yourself to mm-hmm. not start to not start to internalize that. So when it comes to that, how have you dealt with that personally? I think this is so interesting. I literally just did another interview talking about rejection. I've done classes on rejection, how to make rejection your friend as a model, because it doesn't go anywhere. Rejection is something that in life, we're all going to experience, but in this industry, it doesn't matter if you're in it for 10 days or 10 years, rejection's still going to happen. So for me, my coping mechanism has always been, or once I built up the muscle and I understood the function of rejection, I quickly realized, hey, once I'm done submitting myself for this, once I've submitted the self-tape, once I've showed up to the casting call, once I've, you know, sent in my application, it's out of my head. I did my part. I'm moving on. I do my absolute best not to get hung up on, oh, well, well, the callback or, oh, well, I get booked for this. No, I have to have the wherewithal to understand I've done everything I can to get to this point. If I don't get the job, if I don't get the callback, whatever the case may be, only thing I can do is say to myself, okay, I submitted myself to 10 jobs. I only booked two. Let me see how I can improve what I am putting out in order to increase my bookings. But I can't do that if I'm so hung up on the eight jobs that I didn't get or didn't hear back from. So my method has always been to, once I've finished my application, once I've submitted myself, it's done, it's over. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't, I have to move forward. Um, Everybody's different though. Rejection is different for different people. So your coping methods will be different as well. For me, it's just, you know, show up and forget about it. But For others, it might need to be like a reward system. Like, okay, once you're done going to, you know, your audition, maybe listen to like your favorite song afterwards or go get some ice cream, no matter the outcome. Or, you know, if you've done a self-tape, hey, maybe now it's time to binge one of your favorite TV shows. Whatever works for you, you have to find a method that works for you. But for me, it's definitely show up. Once you've done your part, move on. Awesome. And so when, when you, um, when you work with models, obviously you, you're getting to meet different personalities and things like that. And, um, and you are working with them, say, for example, that they did have a session, you know, they got rejected and things like that. How do you help them? Because it's, it's also, it's not just where the focus of the attention is. So it's, you know, like focusing on the eight job you, jobs you lost instead of the two that you actually had. Um, it's also, you know, what happens internally for them. So how do you help them feel confident from within in their skill set and in also their physical appearance, because I think there comes a lot of body issues around that as well. If you're being told something, you know, specific like your arms are too big or flabby or whatever, how do you how do you kind of help them? And and they might not be flabby or big, but it's for that shoot they might not have been right. 
but how do you help them from an internal perspective build rebuild that confidence because it is a stab it's like a chip every time right how do you help Mm -hmm. them rebuild that so I'm going to take this from the perspective of my top level program, which is called Model Maker. It is a group coaching program. And I work um, exclusively with like a small finite set of women um, who are pursuing modeling and they're at different levels. What I've done throughout that program is number one, when you have like, when you're clear on your why and your goals, that is your, that's your route. So when you face rejection, you have to always have something very strong to fall back on. That's why I make sure that before they do anything else, you have a strong why. Because I know rejection is going to happen. And if you don't have the wherewithal to know why you, why you should keep going, you're going to stop. Which is why when we went over my why, I know how important it is for people to see me in certain spaces. So when I get rejected from certain spaces, I still know I still need to keep going because there are more spaces to fill. Okay? So I make sure that they have that to begin with. Very strong why. From there, I do actually have like a mini content series on building your confidence and knowing how to build that muscle. So even before we get into rejection, you have a strong why, so something you could always fall back on in tough times, and then also building your confidence. That's something that you should do on the daily, especially if you're not naturally a confident person. You have to, and this is a method that I've definitely taught them, one of the best ones I think, is um, you can journal every single day or write out or say three things that you love about yourself. If you did that for 21 days, and mind you, it can be the same three things every day, but you're going to have that self-value bred into yourself internally, subconsciously, when you keep telling yourself why you're worthy, why you're confident, why you deserve to occupy the space. The next phase after that, making rejection your friend, that is something that even though I try to make light of it and try to help my students understand like, hey, this is just a part of what you signed up for. I also let them know like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be reoccurring. And you're going to have to build up, build up a muscle. It's like a muscle. You're going to have to build up that muscle and build up that tough skin to, if you want to continue because it's not going to get any easier at all. So through those steps throughout the program, they have ways to cope with rejection before we even touch on it, before they even start to really feel it. Okay. I start them off with a strong why they can always go back to. I make sure that they build up that confidence muscle. And then I educate them on simple fact that even I get rejected. Everybody gets rejected. And unfortunately, life is the best teacher. There's no, you can't, you, there's no amount of preparation that you could do to try to lessen the blow of rejection. You, that's something you just have to go through. You have to build up that muscle. You have to build up that thick skin. And even after all of that, it's still probably going to hurt, but you will have the methods necessary to push past it, push beyond it and keep growing as a model. Awesome. And I love that you do that at the very beginning, because I think it's that preparation before they actually get into this, into this industry and before they get knocked down, knocked down, they've already been built up. So it helps them stay stronger. So that's an amazing, um, amazing route for them. Um, I wanted to ask you about a time, you know, that you might've experienced a really, really upsetting moment, you know, and on a shoot or on a job. And, you know, when you felt a bit more personally, personally attacked or personally, um, you know, made to feel less than in some way, because I know there would have been cases like that. And I think for the people that are listening is that to actually showcase the human side of this, because it isn't just a model and a photographer and, and it just all works out. There's some, there's some horrible things that do happen behind the scenes that people's feelings get hurt. Um, so can you recall one of those times to share with us? 
Yeah, actually, um, I, I have a time and it happened oddly enough this year. And I'm the type of person, like as a model, I do a lot of, I do a lot of prep. I'm always prepared. This is my models how to be prepared. It's a gift, you know, to be able to walk on a set or walk on a shoot. And no matter what they do or don't have, you are spoken for. Like you have the shoes, you have the clothes, you have makeup, you do your hair, you know, this is your niche. This is your market. You feel comfortable. Um, I was building up my network and I was doing a test shoot with a photographer and it's so interesting because throughout our test shoot, the photographer loved my energy. They loved, you know, uh, what I brought to the table. But in the three looks that we did, they did not feel confident in the shoot. They didn't feel like my poses were delivering. They didn't feel like I was moving the way they wanted me to. And there was a lot of things that could have prevented this. Mind you, I was the person who put together the shoot. Um, I literally pulled all the clothing for the shoot. I, like I did everything, mood board, all of that. And all they had to do was pick the location. And for us to get to the location, they didn't really know where they wanted to shoot. They didn't have their spots together. Um, they had something to do like an hour later. So we were rushing. It was a lot of, it was a lot of moving parts. And then on top of that, to add insult to injury, imagine you've done all the heavy lifting. You've done 80% of the shoot you've really made it so that all you have to do is show up and take the photos. And they tell you, you're not up to their standards. You're not delivering what they wanted, but they also couldn't give you an example. They also didn't tell you what they had in their head. They just expected you to know. So going through that, I was like, I feel like that's like the closest I've ever come to crying on a shoot ever. And I definitely like shed some tears after the fact. I had to like call a very close friend and industry friend of mine and I explained the situation because like I had to make sure it wasn't me you know Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of times when it comes to um situations like that especially in the industry you have like it's it's the first reaction is to think that it's you naturally because how how could this industry professional you know be at fault at all you know they've been doing this for however many years they have this clientele they've shot x y and z so it has to be me and to know that like I walked away from that shoot so dejected, so discouraged because I felt like I didn't live up to my personal standards because I didn't deliver for that client. It was super, super, super detrimental. But even in that, I turned that around and I actually shared that with my my model maker students, the ones who are in my group coaching program. I took that moment and I let them know that even after I've, I've gotten to this space in my career, I've shot for brands that they loved and my face has been seen over a billion times. Even after that, I too can still go through a moment where this industry had a way of breaking me down or breaking my spirit or making me feel lesser than, or that I wasn't who I am and who I continue to be. And if that can happen to me at this stage, know that you're not alone with what you're going through. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't fade away. It doesn't go away, but this is a moment that you can really see that it's up to you and how you handle it. So I just took that entire experience And I just poured it into a learning lesson for my students. And small fun fact, that same photographer worked with me again. Um, So I clearly I didn't do that bad, but um, I I made it up the second time that we shot. So, yeah. That is a tough one. I think I probably would have been the same as you, like probably held held it together. 
so that I didn't break down on that. But then afterwards, I would have yeah called a friend and cried because yep. it's it's really um, it's that level of professionalism, you know, being in a difficult situation when you're at work and you just like hold it in, hold it in, just don't let them fall off your your eyelids. And then you kind of like afterwards you can break down. And I think that's such an important aspect of it as well is having trusted peers, trusted support systems around you. Um, not just in in modeling, but in everything that we do, we've got to have trusted people that we can turn to that will be able to support us and help us help us recognize sometimes if we should have done something better or also if actually it was just out of order sometimes because you need those truth tellers, right? The ones that will mm -hmm. say, actually, you should have actually done better. Like there's something you could have done. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I think that's a great lesson for everyone to learn is that no matter where you are, you can always get a knockback. And it's no matter how many times you get down, you still got to pick yourself up. It's that next time you pick yourself up, what does that look like? Um, I just want you to touch on another thing around, you know, with modeling comes, um, you know, the aesthetic side of things. Mm. And and what, what do you help the coaches understand about their bodies? Because there's a lot of body confidence issues around in the world right now. And models also go through this. A lot of people don't think that they do. Models also go through this. So when, you, when it comes to body confidence, how do you help um, the models and up-and-coming models to prepare themselves for kind of the feelings that they might have? You know, in the time of starting, you could be the most confident person, but going through the industry, you can become the most dejected, demoralized person who, does, who has lost complete self-worth because of all the rejection and everything else. So how do you help them cope with their body issues and to see themselves still as lovable and valuable as opposed to just being a piece of, something someone just wants to look a certain way do a certain thing and act a certain way okay so I'll explain how I do that for like just people in general and then how I do that for like my actual students so this is why I'm always talking about the foundation I always 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 talk about the foundation because when it comes to body consciousness and how you look inside this industry that's just never going to go away because it's part of the job but if you know, based on how you look, your shape, your size, color, creed, hair texture, goals, why, you can find a niche that supports that. A lot of times, and granted, even if you are in the right niche, you could still come across people who are a little crude when it comes to your body image. But a lot of times you'll have models who will go after a specific niche that is probably one of the, like, most scrutinizing niches possible. A lot of models go for fashion and editorial. And even in that space with the models who are a perfect fit, it's difficult. And I feel like if models, this is what I try to help them do. If you actually understood what you have right now, your body size, whatever it looks like, and you found a niche that worked for that, a, an area in the industry, because there's a space for everybody. There's space for everybody. And I've said that the entire time I've been coaching. If you find a space that supports what you look like, the amount of dejection and rejection that you go through will be significantly less. Will it disappear? No, it's never going to happen. But it will not be as harsh as if you keep trying to go to niches where you have to look a certain way, especially if you don't already look that way. Now, with my actual students, especially the ones that are inside of the group coaching program, I actually added a wellness center because my students inside of the group coaching program were just like, hey, we want to like, you know, maybe not change our entire body, but we want to make sure like, you know, we're pretty toned or we look good for the size that we are. 
I put together an entire wellness center. I talked to my personal trainer. He put together like 12 workouts. They have a month worth of workouts. I've done stuff for like, you know, their yoga, they have yoga, sound meditations. Um, they have things for like nutrition, recipes, everything, because your health is really 80% diet, 20% of your physical regimen. So whether it's understanding a niche that's going to embrace what you look like or just having a healthy balance of how to work towards the body that you want. I try to provide both for my students without making them feel like they have to look a certain way because they don't, they don't, you can be successful no matter how you look. So I, I do my best to kind of pivot away from, you know, the body negativity. And I just try to show them a path that's going to embrace what they have. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant. I think, I think that's the thing. It's like letting, letting people know in general, not just models that it's, it's okay to be the way you are in your own skin and your body. And the first thing you need to do is to accept yourself, you know, rather than seeking the approval and acceptance of others, it's to accept yourself um, on a larger scale that makes such, um, you know, when we think of young girls, that seeking of validation and approval from others, you know, by the comments and the likes, especially on social media can become really, really um, challenging. And also in that sense, you can get 150 likes and 150 positive comments and you can get one that calls you fat or one that says, you, you know, your nose looks ugly or something. And that one comment is the one thing you'll focus on and that one thing will damage you in so many ways. So I think that body confidence is knowing that whoever, wherever you are in your life and in your journey, you can obviously take care of yourself, get better, healthier, fitter, and however you want to shape your body, you can, you know, according to your genetics as well. But it's, mm. that, it's that kind of like recognition that it's okay to accept yourself through all stages as well as you grow through all of them. So thank you so much. I, I think this has been such an amazing um, insight into the modeling industry. And, you know, I just appreciate that you've taken the time to discuss this with us. And I know that you're doing amazing things with a lot of amazing um, young women. And do you also coach men as well? I do. Uh, for whatever reason, men think that because like my brand colors are like purple and like, you know, because women naturally gravitate towards me that I don't coach men, but I do. Everything I teach is gender neutral, guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so yes, we appreciate you being on here and sharing your insights into the industry and um, and we'll be following you as um, as I do anyway, following your career. Um, but yeah, we'll post up all the uh, all the um, links to all of your programs and everything else um, beneath the, the podcast. So thank you for listening and thank you for joining us today. Um, and I hope to speak to you again and we can talk more about another issue at some point. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to occupy this space with you. I really appreciate it. And I know this is definitely going to help at least one of your listeners. And as long as it helps at least one, it was totally worth it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lola. And we'll speak to you soon. Okay.